I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Bank headlines for Wednesday. Dax aftermath, him and Jerry Jones with a press conference, blah, blah, a lot of talk, but the math of the cap says Dak may be the most overpaid NFL player ever. Gonzaga wins their conference tournament. Final regular season record undefeated. They are the favorite to win the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga plus 250, the favorite to win it all. Who got tagged, who didn't? Tampa Bay Bucks. everyone's watching closely. Godwin does get tagged. Shaq Barrett doesn't. What does it say about the Tampa Bay Bucks? Here comes a full hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Wednesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great nation. Steve Fezzik back in studio. How'd your days go, Steve, when I had a little break? Well, when the cat's away, we spoke a lot about Bryson DeChambeau and the Dayton Flyer mascot. Oh, so when the ratings dip, I'll know exactly why in those couple of days. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans to know more than their buddies. So this was about DeChambeau trying to go over the lake or something to drive a par, a par five or something? Exactly right. So you, you just loved it. You're like a kid. I am. You're like a little kid <laughs> that loves money. Yes. You're like Richie Rich. But yeah, it's yeah. interesting. <laughs> sports veterans listen for the money. Sports fans that know more than their buddies. <laughs> if only you had dad, the dad of Richie Rich to take care of the money part. We're the pros. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got conference championship games around college basketball tournaments underway. We've also got the second half of the NBA season to look forward to. But what is the Vegas lead here on this Wednesday? Well, unfortunately, the NBA made it difficult for us to care about tonight's games. <laughs> so, <laughs> Grizzlies, Wizards, mm, Mavericks, Spurs, okay, maybe. Hmm. Luke is probably still stuffed from his, you know, all-star eating. <laughs> I mean, he likes to eat. Who are we kidding? We're going to start with, and this is going to be, I think, a vital segment or two. What is the aftermath of Dak Prescott signing. What can we take away and know that this information matters? It matters if you're a better. It matters if you're a fan. We're going to go down and kind of identify what we know for sure. And quite frankly, some of the stuff others are missing that we think is important. Yeah, and the deal between Dak Prescott and the Cowboys got done on Monday. It is a four-year, $160 million contract, $126 million guaranteed. And so earlier today, the press conference following the contract took place between Jerry Jones and their quarterback, who will be sticking around for quite some time. And remember, and this is something we talk about in our meetings often, the only thing that matters when people say it 
is if you could imagine them realistically saying something different. If they, if you know what they would say regardless, because they couldn't dare say something different, then what they say doesn't matter. So if Jerry Jones says, hey, we always knew Dak was our guy. Imagine, well, what else could he say? Could he say, you know, I had my real doubts about Dak. There's certain things about his character I question. <laughs> There's certain things just generally about his background. I don't even know some of it. We've had PIs on it for years. We can't figure it out. But you know what? We didn't have much of a choice, so we signed him. I mean, that isn't what's going to be said. So it doesn't matter. And I'm not sure of anything, and maybe we start there Fez, Jonas, whoever wants to jump in, was there anything said in that press conference that you could have imagined him saying, either of them, saying something that was materially different? And if not, it doesn't seem like it matters. Anything? No. No, there's nothing. So we'll skip over that. But I, but I do think it's interesting to talk about the idea of how much Dak was overpaid. Because I think in the heat of the moment... A lot of stuff, numbers were flying. There was talk about, um, okay, the most guaranteed ever versus the most uh, signing bonus ever versus, you know, one of those might have been number two. And what we broke down, we said, if you look over the next three years, who's going to get paid the most in the entire NFL, 2021, 22, 23, the next three seasons. And what we concluded was Dak was getting paid about $33 million more than the number two player over the next three years. And that was Patrick Mahomes. Now, that is a stunning number. But I thought about it. You know, maybe we're not doing a fair analysis because my thought was, hey, a lot of people get the money front-loaded in a deal. And thus, if you're looking at year three, four, and five are the next three years for a deal – then are we maybe not comparing apples to apples? So pregame.com research, we dug in and said, of all the highest paid players in the NFL, the first three years of their deal, how much did they get paid? So number one on that list, first three years, Dak Prescott, $126 million paid over the first three years. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. $108 million paid out. I mean, I'm just going to do some quick math here. That's $18 million less Mahomes got than Prescott. Number three, Wilson, 107. Then Watson. Then Rodgers. And that's the only people above $100 million. So let's think about this. First three years of current contracts. So, for example, the Watson contract started... In 2022, actually. So we're actually looking at year one and moving ahead there. Um, Mahomes, 2022. So even Mahomes, if you think about it, there was multiple years in even this upcoming year that they're still not on the big money yet. So with Dak, he's getting the big money, well, last year because he got franchised. This year immediately, that's another example of how not team-friendly it is for Dallas. But then we're saying, hey... We're going to assume Mahomes is getting that money now so we get the big numbers in this, and still Mahomes is getting less. So Mahomes is getting the money later, further into the future, later, and he's getting less. Dak's getting it sooner, and he's getting more. How much more? $126 million in the first three years for Dak, 
108 for Mahomes, 107 for Wilson, 104 for Watson, 104 for Rodgers. That's it. We talk about Cousins, how much money Cousins makes. Cousins is at 96. This is the best contract in the history of the NFL, and it's not even close. Dak Prescott has gotten the best contract. I don't think we're hearing that because you hear stuff about, well, Mahomes is a half a billion. It is so team-friendly. This is cash up front, cash now. And with and, and as Jonas was talking about yesterday, after three years, it's going to really be incentivized for Dallas to renegotiate it. I don't think that's being reported, and I think that's aftermath number one, best contract of all time, Dak Prescott. If you believe Dak's the most important, best player in NFL history, and that's being a little disingenuous. Obviously, the economics change from 20 years ago. So let's say if you believe Dak is the most impactful player today, then it's justified he's getting the most. If you're amongst the same people that don't think that, he's getting overpaid. I don't begrudge him, but remember, this is a salary cap league. There's a finite amount of money that each team can pay out. Now, they can put it on the credit card and kick the can down the road, but they're still going to be restricted soon enough. And thus, for every dollar Dak gets, it's a dollar less another Cowboy can get. The theory is if everyone gets paid fairly, it's good. But if one person gets overpaid, then someone else must get underpaid. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, RJ. Dallas has been overpaying people for five years. That's part of the problem. That's why they needed to make this deal with Dak so they could save $15 million on the salary cap for this year, kick the can down the road. But that's why I believe this deal hurts Dallas's chance to win a Super Bowl in the next five years because this is going to be their best year, and it ain't that good. They're the 13th favorite. So number two takeaway here, this contract hurts Dallas's ability to win a Super Bowl in the next five years. Start with you, Fez. We're straight out of Vegas. Which part of the two aftermaths do you agree with? Any disagreements? No disagreement at all. And it is interesting how the only case you could make that's favorable for the Cowboys is, like you said, this year. But the odds haven't changed. The Cowboys essentially have stayed at 30-1 to to win the Super Bowl. And each subsequent year later, this is a team that can't afford any major injuries because they've locked up so many big salary. I think it's more than that. As everyone's over, meaning, yeah, it's even worse. They're going to be thin because it's hard not to be thin if you're paying big money for players. But even if you're paying a fair amount, that's the case oftentimes. Like the Rams are paying a lot of high caliber players big money. Donald is the best D lineman in the NFL. He's being paid as such. You can make the case Ramsey's the best, one of the best, if not the best D back, but he's being paid as such. So Rams are thin, but they have a chance to win because they're so good with the first, you know, that first wave of players. Dallas isn't even that. Yeah, spot on. You're paying Cooper the third highest salary for a wide receiver. No one would have Cooper as a top five wide receiver. So they're overpaying these guys. And being even a more extreme example of that. Yes. Jonas, what do you think? 
Um, in regards to the contract, and we talked about the details, and we broke down, you know, what he's getting, how it's historical. Nobody's even come close to that contract. All of this after he suffered the injury that he suffered, which makes me wonder: had he not suffered an injury last season, what sort of contract would they have been willing to give him? Because it, it would, I and and maybe that didn't play into it. It should have, but maybe that didn't play into it. But I just wonder if he had had a good year last year and played all sixteen games during the regular season, and say they they made a playoff berth, what kind of contract would he have gotten this off season? I think the same one. Meaning, I think that Dallas was in the most vulnerable position they could have been. And they bent over and gave all they could. They said, I got nothing left to give. And they said, all right, good enough. We're, we're, then that's the deal. You got your watch on? Throw that watch in. I mean, it literally was that because I don't know how you pay a guy. We can debate. But if you look at your quarterback list, Fez, we're straight out of Vegas. I'm R.J. Bell, Steve Fezzik in studio. If you look at your quarterback list, at least the first four or five, you can't even debate the DAC is better. So let's go quickly through your list. Yeah, so number one, Mahomes, then Rodgers, Wilson, Watson. These are the four other highest paid guys. And those four, anyone that thinks DAC's better than any of those four is literally not worth talking to. Who's next? Josh Allen. Okay, I think you could, at that point, you could say Josh Allen did it one year. Dak's done it multiple. Josh Allen's one year is much better, but you could debate that. Yes. Who, who's the next Jackson, guy? Tannehill. Okay. So I think that at best, the best you can debate is Dak being the fifth best quarterback. Yes. And he and, and this is not just a matter of the money that every time someone comes up that it gets reset at the highest level. Like you know, because you could see that rationale. If it's the first tier of payments. And or first tier players, you could say whoever's up next will get the the record. Then whoever's up next year gets the record. Mm-hmm. Except if you look at this list, Mahomes' contract doesn't start till 2022. Either does Watson. So literally, Dax is starting sooner, and thus in that whole sequential idea, it should be Dax less. But somehow he's getting paid more. Not to mention the fact. If you look at the salary cap expectations before the pandemic, and then you look at what the salary cap ends up being, it's about $28 million less what the teams have to spend per year. But Dak is making about $7 million more than we expected him to. So it was another example of, and we'll make this the third aftermath, it went about as poorly as it could for Dak. When he made a decision not to sign before last year, if you could have said, there's going to be a pandemic, <laughs> right? And and you make the decision that there is, or not the decision, but just the happenstance that he would have a catastrophic injury. That's like the nightmare scenario. The whole league gets reversed and goes down when it's always gone up financially. And Dak has the worst injury of his career and still, he's done better than we could have fathomed. This was a sign of how right Todd France, France was, his agent, to say, no, the way everyone else has been signing early is wrong. We're going to wait and show you what true leverage is. That's what's happened. 
Yeah, and I also was thinking when you were making the list, RJ, about Josh Allen being number five, I don't think there's a general manager in the NFL that would take Dak Prescott over Josh Allen. I agree. I agree. Uh, but I think you could see someone make yeah, the, I, I'm a couple to make of the arguments. Benefit of, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I would actually see that argument, right, which is the idea of – it is one year. Yes. And, and I'm not an X's and O's guy. I can't watch his hand movement and understand if this is repeatable or not. You know, I, I just don't have that skill. But, boy, from what I hear, I hear people debating, would you take Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? I hear that as a real debate. So that means I'm not taking Dak if that's a real debate. So I agree with you, Jonas. In a way, it feels like this contract was so good that if he had not been injured, if he had had a great season, how much bigger would it be? I don't think it could be bigger. Yeah. Right. So it, it shows you, and this is kind of the, well, not kind of, this will be our fourth aftermath, which is the following. Jerry Jones feeling his mortality. I think it's fair to speculate, and it is speculation. Maybe he thinks he's going to live forever. He couldn't stomach the pain that would be Letting Dak go. Imagine, because really, the more you look at the deal, the more you realize if they would have signed Dak to the franchise tag, this team would have had to cut so many other players. They would have lost so much other talent. They wouldn't have been particularly competitive. The move here probably would have been let Dak go or sign him and try to trade him, right? You know, franchise him and trade him, which I think they could have got something for him. And they would have had the right to do that. And then understand the rebuild starts now. And hope in three years you're going to be back. But what Jerry Jones has done is say, I can't stomach that. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pay for the overpayments I've made in the recent past. I, I'm not ready to pay for them yet, so I'm going to put it on the credit card one more time. And that's why this year is so important to be the year Dallas could do something. Because the next year that gets even more expensive, when it, at least when it comes to the cap hit, then what are they going to do? I don't know what if they can kick the can down the road again, but I tell you, I mean, Fez, if I, this was a question I asked off air. I said, if we were talking about not the upcoming year, but after, let's say the next three years after that, so 22, 23, 24, if you could have the Dallas Cowboys to win a Super Bowl, and if you got, if you won, if they won, you won a hundred thousand bucks, or a random team picked from a bag of the teams, so literally a random pick of teams, would you rather have Dallas or a random team? Random. Let's play Plinko. So, <laughs> so what you're saying is you believe that Dallas after this season has a below average chance to win a Super Bowl? Yes. And, and that's because of the contract reality of Dak and the other signings. Exactly right. So this is their best chance this year, and they're 30-1. to 1. Yeah, this, is, uh, this was avoiding pain, but I think the pain, in fact, I know the pain would have been better to take now because in three years you could have been back. I don't see in the next five years how Dallas can be truly a competitive team. Last thought, Jonas is if you had Dal- could take Dallas or a random team, who would you take? I'll take a random team. Well, that's an indictment, isn't it? I mean, that is the <laughs> ultimate indictment, I think. But I-, I can't disagree with it. I cannot disagree with it at all. All right, let's do this. Take our first break. 
When we come back, we're going to finish with the aftermaths of Dak. And I do believe us having the list is going to help us kind of know what to take away. And then we're going to compare them to the Tampa Bay Bucks. And there's one thing about Tampa Bay I think everyone's getting wrong. Colin talked about it today, and I thought he got it very wrong. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words, then the hammer's gonna fall. I'm RJ Bell. We are Straight Out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a look at the aftermath of the Dak Prescott contract. Yeah, it's a great day to join. And we've got five aftermaths so far, quickly. Most overpaid player in NFL history. This signing hurts Dallas's chances to win a Super Bowl in the near term. The <sighs> kicking the can, I guess, is the way to say it. Down the road, Dallas is because of prior overpays. They're trying to avoid the pain now, which just means more pain later. They are resetting best practices, Dak and his agent, when it comes to player strategy, when it comes to that last year without the big money, the last year of a rookie deal. They found a way to say, we don't care about getting that money early. I think that's going to affect a lot of players. And it went as poorly as possible with the pandemic and the big injury and still Dak hit a grand slam. It shows you how good the plan was to start with. And we've got a couple more for you. This is a great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. We're going to keep working extra hard for you. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search straight out of Vegas right here in Vegas on the Strip. 57 degrees. The neon is pumping. So we've been talking about it, the Dak Prescott contract. They had their press conference earlier today on the heels of the four-year, $160 million deal he just inked with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and what we're going to see is we got Allen up for Josh Allen, a potential contract, Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. It's going to be fascinating because on one hand, we've got Dallas waiting, and it seemingly not paid off for them. But then we've got the example of the Rams and the Eagles signing guys early, Wentz and Goff, and that not working out. So it seems, I'm not sure how what works out, but it seems like going early maybe doesn't, going late doesn't. It's fascinating. You know, I heard some, I can't remember who it was today, talking about, I don't like talking about other people's money. Like somehow, like us judging Dak's contract. And it's like, I, I can see that. Except when you have a salary cap league, if you're a fan of a team, you're rooting for your team to have more money to spend on future free agents and keep your current players, whatever, right? The better deal, you know, if you're rooting for your favorite team to overpay the quarterback, you're effectively rooting for the team not to win, now, if you love the quarter, if, if the, the quarterback having that last five million is more important to you than winning, that I don't get it, but okay. But it is an either or. You're either hoping the team has the money to spend on other players, or you're hoping the players have the money to spend on whatever. 
right, that doesn't involve you. Unless somehow you're friends with them, you're not getting any of that benefit. And the funny thing is, it's the same amount of money regardless. It's just going to be spread around differently. These teams are spending effectively the same amount of money over multiple years, meaning they can spend a little more one year, a little less the next year. But unless the world ends, chances are in the next 10 years, they're all going to spend about the same. And thus, it's about spreading it around. And if you truly are egalitarian, if you're a man of the people, like some of these talk show guys try to act like they are, wouldn't you rather the guy who's making $1.5 million maybe make two than the $35 million quarterback making thirty-six-five or you know whatever the math is? In general, I don't mind if I'm rooting for the players. I want to root for the players that maybe their career earnings are going to be $3 million, and that extra half million could actually make a difference. Not with Dak, and, and it's nothing against Dak or any of the big players. The idea of $36 million versus thirty-seven. what difference does that really make for them? Now, I get, if you'd rather the owner not have it and the player have it, I get that. But the players are going to get the same share. It's just how it gets split up. It's probably better for the locker room also, right, not to have such a huge disparity between seven players and the rest. Especially if they think the players overpay. From everything I – and Jonas is around the players more than me. And, and Jonas, you can tell us what you think. My impression has always been if the player the players would rather have them have it than the owner, no doubt. Yeah. But if it's going to be the same amount spread around, they want it to be spread around fairly, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, fairly. I think also, though, players players look at it as, hey, the more money he gets, the better it is for all of us in the long run. Maybe not with that team specifically, yes, but yes. in the long run. And especially at that position, because if you're Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, you're thrilled by this deal from Dak Prescott. Because that that now has raised the bar mm-hmm. yet again, and that's where negotiations start back over. At, at but should number. the other players <laughs> on the Ravens and the Bills be thrilled is the question. No. And, and I would even question, I know that's all, in a non-salary cap league, the more the players get, the more likely players are going to get even more in the future. That logic makes a ton of sense to me. Where it doesn't make any sense is the idea that this is a salary cap league. It's literally to the dollar how much money can be spent. Now, again, the Rams are kicking the can down the road. The Rams are in big trouble in, a, in a two years or three years, meaning they can't just keep kicking the can. The Patriots kicked the can to some degree, and you saw this year. They were, they were hamstrung. Even Belichick said so. So the idea that, oh, I hope so-and-so makes a bunch because that means we're all going to make a bunch, I don't really think that's true. The, the salary cap is set now for 10 years. We have a collective bargaining agreement that about a year ago that, is, that, go, that was signed that goes 10 years into the future. So we know like it's 50 fit. We know the split. We know the accounting. Now the only question is how does it get distributed amongst the players? Where does it go? Not the amount, not that it's going to the players. That's all decided. It's which player gets what. And to me, I'm not sure how it can be good for one guy to be overpaid. That means there's less for everybody else. I would be, I mean, if I was self-interested, now listen, I'm such a generous person, but <clears throat> but if I was self-interested, I'd be like hoping, well, I hope he signs for less. I mean, I'd get more, <laughs> right? And let's be candid, right? Let's be candid. I'm RJ Bell, straight out of Vegas. Now, this is a good segue, I think, to 
Colin Cowherd right here in FSR. We're big fans. But I think he got this one wrong. He was talking about how Tampa Bay is doing the right things and by being so bold and how like a Green Bay is not being bold and that's a problem. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. There's a famous business book. It's called Good to Great. And uh, a guy named Collins wrote it, Jim Collins, I think. And the concept was there's a lot of good companies. How do they become great? How do you take that next step? I believe in the NFL, for example, in team sports, it's not really about good to great. It's oftentimes certain good or a chance at great. So, for example, you could see a team like Green Bay. They draft a really good quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. Now, he went in the 20s, so they they were so good on that pick, he fell and fell. They had Brett Favre at the time. And you could say, wait a minute, how does having a number one pick, a first-round pick, go to a quarterback to sit on the bench, help the team now? It doesn't. Just like Love didn't help the team last year. But what it does is it gives the team a chance that that next quarterback is going to be really good. So to whatever degree Aaron Rodgers hurt those two Green Bay teams that he sat on the bench for those two years, he helped every team since then. So what was Green Bay trading? They were trading the potential of great for a better chance at good, to have another good quarterback now, the fact that he became a great quarterback, they couldn't have predicted. Now, Love doesn't seem to be he's going to be a great quarterback, but it was a chance at continuing good. Now, what the Rams are doing is saying, we're going for great. We're trading. Remember now, they were on the border of the playoffs when they traded two first-round picks for their cornerback, Ramsey. And now they traded, what, two first or three first-rounders to upgrade a quarterback, even though they had a quarterback, Jared Goff, that took him to the Super Bowl. One game away from winning it all. They said, that's good. We want great. But obviously, the lack of those picks is going to come home to roost. We got a Tampa Bay team that, quite frankly, hasn't sniffed good for a long, long time. And then Brady plus the moves the team made allowed them to reach great. Though it is important to realize, entering the conference finals, the championships, Tampa Bay was considered clearly the fourth best team. Right? I mean, there wasn't even a power rating on earth that had Tampa Bay other than fourth when it was Kansas City, Green Bay, and Buffalo. Right? Yeah, and three straight underdog wins in the playoffs to, to win the Super Bowl. And it's great that they did that, but it doesn't change the fact that this was a good team on the cusp of great. They reached great. Winning a Super Bowl was great. And now they're making moves that say, who cares what happens in 2024? Because Brady's going to be retired. We're going to be back to crap. But can we get one more Super Bowl? And I'm not saying that's wrong. But what's interesting is, and we'll take our last break, because we got to. And then when we come back, I'm going to read you a list of which teams have won the highest percentage of games in the modern era of the NFL. And I'm gonna, it's going to be interesting that that list is going to really be like, wow, those teams don't go for great. They just went for good and became great somehow. 
but they didn't take that shot that you only get a year or two, then you're done, like Tampa Bay is. I think it's a fundamental difference of how to approach building an NFL team, and we'll get to it. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And, RJ, we've been talking about the contract for Dak Prescott, and we've been talking about what the future could be like for the Dallas Cowboys, which brings up the conversation of best teams in the NFL and how they got there. Yeah, and and it really is a question of steady as they go. Let's not – maybe we are not maxing our chance to win this year because it's too expensive – we're not talking necessarily money, but rather other resources, draft choices, whatever. And that's the question. Would you rather have a mm, one in 10 chance to win the Super Bowl steady every year? Or would you rather have a one in five chance, double the chance, but only a third of the years? Mathematically, you'd say you'd rather have the one in 10 chance for 10 years but a lot of teams, they, get, they start sniffing that chance to win it, and they get excited. And they say, we'll trade everything for one more player. And then they lose because of a bad call in the end zone, and then they're done. So let's look at, and the numbers are going to blow you away. These are the four teams. Now, we call the modern era of the NFL from 2011 on. The reason? The collective bargaining agreement changed a ton in 2011. That was right before the lockout, or the lockout was right before that season. And it changed practice schedules. It changed a bunch of things. And in that, and we know passing has become so much more prevalent during that era, too. These are the four teams that's won the highest percentage of games. The New England Patriots, the Seattle Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those are the top four. Now, there are no sacred cow herds on this show. We love Colin, but I would say those are the four teams that Colin's been the most critical of in the last couple weeks. New England, because, oh, the time has passed them by. Belichick can't draft. You know, I don't know. Because they let Brady go. Seattle, because they aren't smart enough to let Russ cook. And Green Bay, because, oh, they don't have enough money to even keep the running back. And Pittsburgh, oh, look at them kind of folding to pressure signing Big Ben again. It's like, okay, these are the four teams that have won the most games in the last 10 years. But, you know, maybe they're not any good. <laughs> I mean, but what is in common? What does, do these four teams have in common? The Patriots never sold out the future for now. And all this talk about they didn't get Brady enough weapons. Well, when you're drafting number 30, 31, it's hard to get the best players. But what would they do? they trade back for two picks maybe. One in the second round, one in the third. Everyone hated that because they didn't know those third-round players. But somehow that allowed the Patriots to keep winning. Seattle, what have they done? 
Well, you made the good point, Fez. When it came time to pay the Legion and Bo- Legion of Boom a second contract or a third, what happened? Yep, can't do it. No, no, no. Uh, Thanks for your service. We'll yes. see you at the reunion. <laughs> okay. What has Green Bay done? We know what they've done. They haven't gone for the big name free agent. You hear all the time. If only they had strayed from their approach. Okay, maybe they would have been not the third most winning team. Now, again, they haven't won as many Super Bowls. And then finally, Pittsburgh. Literally under Tomlin, the worst season they've ever had is 8-8. Eight and eight. They don't tend to sell out the future. How often do they trade their number one pick away? Mm. So, to me, if we look at Tampa Bay, I don't blame them for doing what they're doing. They, they're an institution, a program that has trouble attracting free agents. They haven't won much historically. So, if you have Tom Brady, you have a chance to win. Double down, because I'm not sure you're going to win anyway once he's gone. But let's understand what the trade-off is by doing that. And that the teams that don't make that trade off are the teams that win the most. Jonas, we haven't, we didn't prep that segment. Does that resonate with you? What do you think? Yeah, I think sometimes we see one team have success and we just assume, why doesn't everybody else do that? I mean, you could go back to one play from each game or go back to one play from a bunch of the Super Bowls Tom Brady won and had the play gone the other way or there been an inch here or an inch there. The, the way we look back on Tom Brady is completely different. I just don't know that it's always applicable to every single team in the NFL. And, and I also think it's draft choices and playoff um uh, possibilities are very similar. You're not. There's so much randomness in each of them. You want as many, You'd rather have two draft choices in the third round than maybe one in the second because it's a crapshoot either way. Mm. And thus, the idea of having if you make the playoffs. That's what Billy Bean said. Now they never won it, but if you can make the playoffs a bunch, you have a chance to eventually win one. Right? These other teams go for it once. They think they got the perfect team. They lose and it's over. Or maybe they got two years. Last thing, CBB, we're going to be talking more about it as we move to the tournament week, but here's the favorites right now to win the NCAA title. Gonzaga, undefeated regular season, plus 250, they're the favorite. Baylor, around 4-1, to one, second favorite. Michigan, 4.5-1. to one. Illinois, then Iowa, Houston, Florida State. So Gonzaga, undefeated regular season, they are the favorite. We'll get into it even as soon as tomorrow. Good show, Jones. If you missed any of today's show, including a full breakdown and the fallout from the Dak Prescott contract, Vegas style, check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio and as always on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! 